This is the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, episode 105. You're listening to the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast, the number one resource for running a profitable home recording studio. Now your hosts, Brian Hood and Chris Graham. Welcome back to another episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. I am your host, Brian Hood, and I'm here with my bald, beautiful, amazing, purple shirted, but actually wearing a gray sweatshirt and is it's cold. a massive headphone slut, Christopher J. Graham. How are you doing today, man? I got a bone to pick with you, Brian Hood. You were just about talking what? crap boon? about headphones. A bone to pick? A, a bone to pick. Yes. Yeah, I talk crap about headphones because I don't care about headphones, man. Why? We've the, ta- dude, we've talked about this so many times in the podcast, and we're not going to get into it today because <laughs> no one gives a shit. And if they've already, if they do give a shit, then they've already heard this before. I, I just don't, I just don't care. It is not a thing that affects my life. I listen to. I'm going to fix you. Normal, normal iPhone headphones, ninety five percent of the time. The other five percent is when I'm on this podcast on my seventeen dollar like Amazon headphones. So you're just, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me, man. I'm going to recruit our audience. We're going to get you addicted to high quality no. headphones. It's We've already be- done a call to our audience. <laughs> you were like trying to get people to send me free headphones and I'm just, and I never got them. So. I'm working on it. Okay. I'm working yeah. on it. Stay tuned on that. Brian, how are you today, sir? I'm doing good, man. We, we, <laughs> we planned our show out and we were like, what can I talk about that's new in my life that I should share with the audience today? And I realized Nothing. <laughs> Nothing how, at all, man. How fascinating. Yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a very interesting person, despite what you may think. That's pretty funny. Yeah. What about you, my dude? Well, uh, it was my oldest son's birthday uh, really, oh, earlier man. this week. He turned nine, and uh, we had a blast. But one of the things we did that was so cool is we went to the Apple store, and we took a coding class together. What? And it was so fun. And we, we bought him this little robot. It's called a Sphero. And you can, like, write this really simple computer code to program this little ball to, like, roll around and follow instructions. Nerd stuff. We get to I be mean, nerds I mean, that's super together. nerdy. But I'm be honest, I would have been totally into that. It was I awesome. I feel like as a young child, yeah. Oh, He's, what so is he, fun. nine, you said? He just turned nine, yeah. Yeah. It was a blast. That's pretty sick, man. Indeed. Well, I saw something the other day that I wanted to talk to you about. I shared it in the Six Figure Home Studio community. It was a YouTube video that was an interview with this guy, Phineas. Phineas is the brother of Billie Eilish, and he produced all of Billie Eilish's songs. If you don't know who she is, she's like the hottest thing in pop music right now. She's 17. Yeah, I, I had, I've heard you mention her name multiple times as like an example, and then you're like, do you know who that is? I'm like, I have no. I have no idea who that is. And you're like, she's the biggest thing on radio. And I was like, well, that makes perfect sense because I, <laughs> I don't listen to the radio. And I haven't had a – when I put the – like when I first bought my, my Honda Pilot in 2010, I put uh, – I took the radio out. We put a like a CD player, Bluetooth, whatever in. And I've, I have not had a radio in my car since. So I couldn't listen to the radio if I wanted to, not that I even want to. That's amazing. Well, let's talk about Billy here real quick. So there were two videos. One of them was Phineas. There, no, just to stop you here, there okay. was a point to this, right? Yes, totally, totally, 100%. Yeah, this goes, I think this goes with our episode today. It is. I'm, I'm attempting okay, to do good. a graceful segue from banter oh, wow. into our actual I cannot, episode. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear this graceful banter. Okay. And just for the record here, this is week two of unedited episodes from Chris and Brian. So if we talk over each other or flib or flab or say weird stuff or say weird shit like flib or flab, <laughs> It, do, it doesn't get edited out because James is out of the country. He's in Germany right now, and he's oh, off the grid, man. our podcast editor. So instead of hiring someone else to take over for a couple of weeks, we're just like, you know what? This is a good exercise. And we got this again from uh, from from Graham Cochran because yeah. he does all of his podcasts in one take unedited. Unbelievable. And we're like, man, can you imagine if we get to where we can do long-form content like that without editing it? Like that is such a good place to be. So this is us flexing our – our uh, muscles in that in that yeah. area that we're not very good at because we can always it's like if you know you can just let someone edit it out you mess up a lot if you know you cannot edit it at all that's when things get interesting and, exactly. and you have to make it work i think that we should have a new sound effect on our podcast and it should be um some sort of like the sound of a new word being born because you tend to invent <laughs> new words like on every episode so if it's like a new phrase or new word James should edit in like a, 
New word no. alert. No, to me, the the birthing of a new word sounds much more violent and like. <laughs> <laughs> That's the sound. <laughs> well, let me talk about Billie Eilish a little bit more. Okay, so. Okay, go. I saw two videos about her that were absolutely amazing and blew my mind. One was Phineas walking through like the studio that they recorded all of Billy's songs in. Billy's got like almost a billion streams on her most popular song right now, just on one song on Spotify. Yeah, it, was like, it was like 800 million on Spotify, then 600 million on YouTube. Insanity. Yeah. So she's at a billion cross platform. Yeah. So that's just one song. Yeah. So cross platform, yeah. you're over 1.5 billion just from those Super two platforms. Super popular. And one of the things that was fascinating that Phineas kind of walked through his process with his sister is their studio, no offense, Phineas, is awful. It is. It is. It is trash it in is the best way. so like, bad. Almost no one listening to this podcast has a worse studio. Yeah, from a like I, I commented on the uh, on the on the Facebook thread. By by the way, if you're not in our Facebook community, you can see this video. We recently posted it, and um, actually, as the time this episode comes out, maybe it won't be so recent. But you can search through. Yeah, uh, our our thing. It's a free co- Facebook community. Just go to the show notes of this uh, episode, and you'll see the link to our Facebook community. Yeah. Uh, anyways, with that, uh, I commented on that video. <laughs> This is possibly, I love how this is uh, set up in the worst possible acoustic configuration. Yeah. And yet it doesn't matter because the end, the end product is the only thing that matters though. Yeah. So he really just sort of made it up acoustically. Like it's like a weird desk that they, looks like they found in the trash and put like really cheap, you know, little monitors like in cubby holes. Yeah. Cubby holes. He's like the shelf. (laughs) That was awesome. But it it's was, like every computer desk you ever, ever saw in like 1990. From the 90s, yeah. And so somebody wrote something on, the, on that post, something about like, this is a great excuse killer. And it really is. Like, it's the biggest song Ooh. on the radio, and it was recorded like, y- you could buy everything that they used on Craigslist for like under 50 bucks probably. Like, it was, <laughs> I, I don't, I'm making that up. But anyways, so let me get to the point. There was another video that popped up on my YouTube stream because I watched that video about Billie Eilish, and it was an interview with Billie Eilish and Howard Stern. And Howard Stern was talking to Billie and and, uh, Billie's brother Phineas, and they said something fascinating. They said when they came out with Bad Guy, and there was one other song, I forget which it was, their two biggest hits, that everybody that knew Billie and, you know, Phineas and all that, nobody thought that anyone would like that song. It was too weird. It was too outlandish. And even Billy's mom, who's like the consummate promoter of her children's music, was like, ah, I don't, I don't think anyone will like this. I don't think people are cool enough to like this song, was the phrase. Smash hit. But it is the weirdest, strangest, most bizarre song of all time. And it is fascinating to me. The, I need to go actually go listen to it now because I definitely yeah. <laughs> have never heard this song. You should listen to it. It is so bizarre. But what's interesting about that is the weird music is having a moment. The, and it's been having a moment for a while. So like Lord is another good example of like the, the oh, we could be royals, royals. You're doing great, Chris. <laughs> but <laughs> because like, that doesn't get edited. Usually we pitch correct you, man. <laughs> you do? Oh, thank you so no, much. No, we don't. Okay. But there's all these weird songs. Bonnie Vera is another perfect example. He's selling out stadiums, and it's super avant-garde, bizarre music. And there's this transition from people. I think that there's stages in music history where you look at, like, the 1950s and the early 60s, and there was a lot of calculation in the studio about, like, well, we need to make something people will love. And then music would get weird for a little bit. Um, Pet Sounds, Beach Boys, uh, you know, Sgt. Pepper with the Beatles, like, some really weird records came out and weird music got popular. That was sort of self-indulgent. It was artists making music for their own sake. We're in a stage of weird music right now. If you're weird and making music just for your own personal pleasure, those are the songs that seem to be kind of taking off. Not so much the like, we're going to make Britney Spears style pop that's designed to be infectious. Like, so this is kind of interesting stuff. We're going to circle back to this because here's, Here's one of the, <laughs> oh crap, there goes my graceful transition. We're going to yeah. talk about something that I know very little about today, but it's it's an episode that we need as a community. It's an episode that I need. Uh, it's an episode I'm sure that Brian needs. We need to talk about credits. Let me just go ahead and clarify to our listeners. The only thing that that Billie Eilish conversation, 
refers back to is the fact that we're going to use them as an example yep. in the, on the credits thing. So uh, we're talking about specifically referrals, um, and there's two types of referrals, and we're going to focus on one of the two types of referrals. There's active referrals and there's passive referrals. And if you've been a, if you were part of my uh, marketing email course that I did for free uh, earlier this month or last month, uh, depending on when this episode comes out, then you know what I'm talking about when I say active versus passive referrals. Active referrals are anytime you work with a client, if you did a great job and you built a good relationship with them, they're going to actively refer you to all of their friends and colleagues or uh, bands they tour with or anyone looking for the services that you provide if you did a great job. And that's an active referral where someone is actively going out of the way to refer someone to you. Those are fantastic. But the second type is a passive referral. And this mm. is the type of referral that most people don't really think through. And that is when someone sees your name on something, a credit somewhere, and then goes out of their way to find you and then ask for a quote and ho hopefully ultimately hire you. And this is actually a really powerful form of referrals that most people do not do anything to foster. And that's the bulk of this episode. We're going to talk about how to get credited for all your work, or at least how to try to get credited totally. for all your work. So um, most people right now, did you have something to add to that, Chris? Yeah. Usually we have hand motions for this, but again, we're this is an unedited <laughs> podcast, so we're just gonna we're just gonna like slog through this episode from a uh, grace grace perspective. Yeah. Well, I, I want to skip to to just bring up something we're gonna bring up again at the end of this podcast. But I know for some of you, you're thinking like, ugh, credits. Who cares? Like, they're even you can't even really get them in Spotify or Title, and no one's gonna see them. Here's what I would say to you. Yes, it is. I'm going to cuss here. Uh, you know, you guys know I don't, I love doing it in real life. I don't like doing There's it no on, beeps on a, here, Chris. on a microphone. Be careful what you say. Okay. There's no beeps. Okay. Credits are a shit storm right now. We all know it. It's really hard to get credited. And even if you do, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to show up in the places that it should. And it's a whole nightmare. But here's the thing. It's not going to be like that forever. There's going to be massive shifts and continually be massive shifts, perhaps even acts of Congress. And this stuff is going to get fixed. And not getting credits now means you definitely aren't going to get them five years from now for work, for work that you did in the past. So yeah. I think the best strategy, and this is, I'm speaking, I'm preaching to myself today because I need to be better at this, much better at this, is that getting credits today translates to getting credits listed maybe a couple years from now. You know, I want to I ask you something. Did you mean shit storm or shit show? Because I think credits are a shit show right now. Agree to disagree. Shit. What is shitstorm? What is shitstorm even? Shitstorm means sounds like a, like a, a lot of things are happening. Like there's a lot of credits. Be Anyways, we're not going to argue about this right now. <laughs> I say it's a shit show. Yeah, that'd be a, that'd be a shit show if we did. <laughs> or would it be a shitstorm, Chris? Mm, I think uh, that you're right. Let's move on. Yes. <laughs> so before we actually talk about how to get credited for all your work, let's talk about why this matters. And this is a, this is pretty obvious, but. How else are people going to find out about your studio if it's not for a few things? It's all, it all comes back to marketing. But it's going to be either people referring you via word of mouth, which is a huge part for a lot of businesses, but that's a hard one to get started. There's paid advertising, which Chris has done a lot of in the past and has kind of gotten the way out of lately. Mm. Or this other way, which is passive referrals, and that is something that unless you put work into it intentionally, this will never be a large avenue for you. And if you could just think about, um, let's really quick go back to Billie Eilish right now. She has what, 1.6? Eilish. Billie Eilish, whatever, man. She has 1.6 billion streams for that bad guy or bad boy or bald guy or whatever the song <laughs> is. <laughs> and uh, if, if I think I did the math right, if 0.001% of people even looked at credits, that's still 16,000 people looking at the credits for that song, mm. in which case those are probably 16,000, at least a good percentage of those are going to be qualified leads who are looking for some sort of recording or editing. They're intentionally looking up credits. I don't know what the percentages are, but you really, really want to be credited for things because of this passive, uh, because of the fact that the passive referrals can uh, compound and multiply. So like if you are, what's his name, Phineas? Mm -hmm. That's the producer on these tracks, her brother. If you are Phineas, uh, besides the fact that you get free publicity just being her brother and you probably get YouTube videos, you probably get more attention than the average producer. If you can produce more and more artists over time who are getting billions of streams on songs uh, in their lifetime, that is so much passive word of uh, or passive referral work coming into your door. So 
do not underestimate this. And even if you are at the place where marketing is not your weak point, top of funnel is not your weak point, getting eyeballs on your website is not the weak point. Even if that's the case, you can always use more, mm. uh, more word, getting the word out about your studio. You can use more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Re more referrals. You can always use more referrals. Here's the thing that's interesting about this. Getting credits is kind of like owning real estate. Once you own that real estate, you've got renters in it or, you know, it, it's building in value. It's a it's an asset that improves for you in the background. It's kind of not that different from like a retirement fund. If you are building up your credits, you're building up your footprint on the Internet, and that's going to mean future traffic to your website. Yeah. It's it, an asset. It's an asset. Credits are an asset. And I think that there needs to be a shift in our end of the industry that where we don't tolerate not being credited as audio engineers. Yeah. Th this this will only work if we come together as a community and demand that we are credited for our work. Yes. So let's talk about now how to try to get credited for all your work. And the little uh, parentheses there, the try to, that's the key to this entire thing, because I'm going to say this. 99% of our listeners right now don't even try to get credited. They do not do mm -hmm. anything to intentionally try to get credited. And I'm going to ask you this, Chris, how of your last, just say hundred projects, how many did you actually ask to be credited on specifically? None. Say that a little louder in case you, you couldn't hear that. Can you say that one more time? I didn't ask, one more time? I didn't ask for any credit. None. What about the last thousand projects? Couple. A couple. Yeah. So like, you're like batting zero zero two right now. Pretty bad. Yeah. This is this is an area that I need to improve uh, in, and it kind of feels good. It, it's weird, like you know, you know, when you were like a little kid and you told a lie and then you confessed to your mom and then you feel better about it. It's sort of like that, like hey, thousands of audio engineers. <laughs> I'm I'm awful at this, but let's all get better. <laughs> like it kind of feels good. Yeah, yeah, it feels good to get it off your chest, but at the same time, unless you're uh, like a little angel like me i never lied when i was young so i don't know how to relate to you chris uh that's a lie uh so let's talk about this <laughs> most people never ask and i think this is and i'm just as bad at this like i've i've definitely gone out of my way to ask to be credited on some of my past work but this is not something i do all the time mm -hmm. let me throw something in um for our non-audio engineer listeners it's come to our attention because lots of people have reached out and been like i'm not an audio but i listen to this podcast because it applies to my business as well. I know some of you, if you're still listening and that's you, you might be thinking, well, how does this apply to me? Well, it does. Credits, it's not just a music thing. If it's something where you can get your name on projects, whether that's, geez, uh, fill in the blank. Help me out here, Brian. Like, what are ways for non-audio I mean, engineers? This, this, is, this is something that we talked about before the episode, but this this whole topic comes from something my wife said to me mm. uh, the other oh, day. Oh yeah, she yeah, was, totally. She was she does uh, she does social media management for female, for like female entrepreneurs, and like that's her niche. And uh, so she's doing social media, and she tags the photographer's personal account for a photo she puts up. And hopefully, I'm not giving too much information here, but she'll she probably won't kill me. She tags the per, the personal Instagram of this photographer, and the photographer came back and just like, can you tag the tag my business Instagram, just like really short and curt, like didn't ask or say please or anything, just was like, tag my, tag my business Instagram. And <laughs> my wife is like, why are, and this isn't the first time she's had like a run in with mm. photographers who are like, kind of being mean about their credits. And she's like, why are, why are photographers like this about their, uh, their credits? And I was like, thinking about it. And I'm thinking, it's probably because the ones that aren't like this, aren't getting work. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing I can think about. If, if all photographers are kind of snootish about getting the proper credit on the, getting the proper tag uh, to the proper Instagram, it's probably because you found that photographer on Instagram because they're so diligent about yeah. getting credited properly on the right Instagram. And the ones who aren't like that, the ones who don't go out of the way to ask uh, are probably not getting enough work. And that's why you didn't hire those people. Uh, and there's there's definitely going to be like there's great photographers like our wedding photographer Steph Sorensen like, or I think that's her last name. Anyways, we we tagged her and she was super nice about it and she's super cool and like there there was no like curtness about it or rudeness about the way she asked. And, but you know so there's always exceptions and I would I would say if you are any sort of business 
and you're trying to get credit for your work, especially creative work, that's the specific thing here. Like, yeah, if you, if I sell you a car, I don't need you to post on that Facebook post when you post your new car that you bought it from uh, Nashville Motors or whatever. Yes, but but your car, your brand new car, probably has some little sticker on the back that says, you know, yes, it record. does. It has, yeah, yep, it has the dealerships thing on the front tag actually. So I could remove that if I wanted. It's just more work than I care to. So there's obviously there's ways you can do that. But this just this goes back to the photographer thing. This whole stemming of this episode is the lifeblood of that photographer or of a lot of photographers is Instagram or social media and making sure they get tagged properly on all of their work is the way they get uh, they, they get a huge chunk of their work. It's passive referrals. And there's no difference here. It's just going it's going to look a little different because audio is something that there's no there's no central place. Instagram is an image driven platform. And so it makes sense as a photographer that if you post my image that I have rights to, even though it's your face on it, I took the photo, I have rights to it through some, I don't know how it all works, to be honest with you, with the photography world, but they always have credit on Instagram and it makes sense, but there's no like Instagram for audio. And so when does it make sense to do this in audio? It's, yeah. it's a little convoluted. And even on YouTube, you don't see producers or mixers or master engineers credited on YouTube descriptions. You only see, you only see uh, the videographer. And we're going to talk about why that is. But Chris, you have something to add here? Yeah. Well, you know, let's bring this back to the car thing. It hasn't always been the norm that when you buy a car that they put, like at least here in Ohio, they'll put a license plate holder around your license plate that says the dealer's name, you know, Reichard or whatever. Um, you know, Bob, there's a guy, there's a guy here in Columbus whose name I think is Bob Raper. And uh, for some reason he didn't change his name before deciding to put his name on the back of everyone's car that he sold. What? Yeah, whatever. Good call. He's still doing all right, clearly. But, but here's the thing. At some point in history, someone said, hey, Let's put our name on every car that we sold, that we sell. And I'm sure people were like, that's crazy. We can't do that. But he did it or she did it. And it became culture. Now it's the norm that when you buy a car, that the dealer's name is somewhere on that car, whether it's a sticker, whether it's like, uh, I bought a car one time and it had like a, it was like a little emblem on plastic, it. Plastic. I've seen it's those. Like an emblem. Yeah. Or, or it could just be like a license plate frame or something like that. But it became culture in photography. The culture is that you demand your credit. In audio, it's not the culture yet. Oof. This isn't an audio thing. This is an audio culture thing. Does that make sense, guys? Yeah. We have not come together as a community and made it normal. And the only reason it's not normal is because we haven't made it normal. Yep. It's just a culture thing. So everything we're, we're talking about here, there's the opportunity for this to become culture. But it's something where if all of us are like, oh, yeah, uh, you know, I'll, you know, do whatever, I'll free revisions and I'll let you speak to me, you know, in a rude and disrespectful way. If all audio engineers do that, then it becomes culture. Does that make sense? Yep. So I think the, the gist of it is this. If you want to change the culture, mm -hmm. if you want to at least change this in your own business, you have to make it part of your system. Yeah. Chris, if, if you have a quote form on your site, which is you move to a quote-based system for your mastering studio, and I just hit you up through a Facebook message and say, hey, Chris, how much would you charge for six songs? And Go to the quote form. It, yeah. Right. You're going to send me to the quote form because that's part of your system now. The second you start making exceptions to every other person, now your system no longer works. Yep. And now the expectation is, oh, I don't have to fill that out. Chris will just tell me if I text him. And, and that doesn't work. And that may not be the perfect example, but you kind of get the point here. You have to yeah. create a system that someone needs to follow or that you follow every time at the very least that leads to a repeatable outcome. If you think about McDonald's, love them or hate, love them, or hate them if I get a, a Big Mac in Athens, Alabama, Nashville, Tennessee, Reno, Nevada, God forbid I'm there, or Seattle, the Big Mac is mostly going to taste the same because they follow a system that has been sent down from corporate to that specific location on this is how we make this thing. Mm. And the only reason it's consistent from location to location to location, you know, obviously there's differences in different things. Like there's going to be lower quality here and there's going to be a worse service there. But the overall, I can expect this level of service, this flavor from this specific product at McDonald's because of their system. And in your business, you can't be expected to get credited 
for passive referrals on all of your past work if you do not have a system to make it so. Yeah. It's not just going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen on every project, even with a system. But with this, you're going to have a much, much better chance of success. Chris, if you would have at least just said, hey, can you all credit me on this uh, as Chris Graham Mastering? On your last 100 projects, you would still have a good percentage of those that came through. Yeah. If that was the only thing you did was all you did was ask. So first step is at least ask, but then create an actual system yeah. to follow. Before we get into the podcast today, let me tell you a little something crazy about myself. I'm actually a psychic and I'm going to prove it to you. You and I, we've probably never met, but I bet I can describe your business better than you can. Here's what my crystal ball says. You probably have no idea how to get clients other than waiting around for referrals and word of mouth. You're stuck in a perpetual cycle of feast or famine. So you have wild income swings from month to month. You're charging way less than you should and you know it, but you don't do anything about it. You feel like you have a million things you could be doing in your business and you have no idea what you should be focusing on. And you have tons of little half-built bridges leading to nowhere because you've jumped from thing to thing to thing as a dabbler. Am I right? Does this sound eerily similar to you? That's because I've been in your shoes and I've worked with thousands of freelancers who've also been there. So I'm not a psychic. My crystal ball is not real. I just have a really clear understanding of what freelancers are facing today. And if I can predict your problems, you can bet I actually have a solution to these problems. It's called client acquisition. We talk about this all the time on the podcast, but for some reason, freelancers still haven't really figured this out yet. This is why I created Clients by Design Coaching. It's a truly unique coaching program that helps you build your own client acquisition machine so you can break out of this feast or famine cycle that most freelancers never escape. So here's how our approach is unique. First, we do a deep dive on your business, we figure out what's missing, and we give you a complete marketing roadmap right from the start. So no more dabbling, no more guesswork, just a clear path to getting more clients. You always know what your next step is because we actually assign specific tasks to you. So instead of feeling overwhelmed, instead of feeling scattered, you can just focus on your next step. That's it. We give you unlimited feedback on everything you do so you can feel confident that every single step you're taking is the right one. And we hold you accountable, not by nagging you, but just by genuinely supporting and cheering you on every step of the way. If you're behind on any steps we've assigned to you, we'll proactively reach out and see how we can help. Clients by Design is not a course. We look at it like a partnership. We'll always show up. We'll always give you what you need, but you have to be willing to put in the work. This program is not for everyone, and that is okay. As of right now, I just checked the numbers. We've only approved about 25% of the applicants we've gotten so far, and that's because we are selective. We only accept your application if we believe we can truly help you. So if you're ready to end your feast or famine cycle and build a client acquisition machine, you can apply for Clients by Design by going to sixfigurecreative.com slash coach. That's the number six, figurecreative.com slash coach. Now here's our show. Well, it bums me out because a lot of the customers that I've had, not customers, clients that I've had that have done well, you know, I've had a, a couple records that have, uh, you know, either hit number one on Billboard or gotten close. Um, specifically, uh, there's two projects. One was in, a, was in gospel, one was in R&B. If I had credits on those, when people are listening to those records, if they're like, wow, I love how this sounds. I wonder who mastered this. If they click that link and, and saw my name on Spotify, that's going to create traffic to my website. And it bums me out that now the only way to fix that is for me to work on my follow-up game and check in with all these people. That's a lot of work. What I'm going to do, guys, on, on my system from here on out is, is I send out proposals when someone asks for a quote. I'm just going to put a line in the proposal that, you know, it's like, hey, you know, free revisions within 30 days, satisfaction guaranteed, uh, blah, blah, blah. Here's the price. And one of the line items on there is uh, credited as mastered by Chris Graham for chrisgrammaster.com or something like that. So just putting that on my quote form alone so that there's a basis for that conversation in the future. Or uh, one of the things that I could do is when I send masters out, we've got this really awesome system. And I send a link and the link takes you to a page that has all the information you could possibly need, how to fill out a revision form, how to download the masters, uh, how to listen to the masters, which basically means listen to high and low volume at more than, you know, at least like three to five speaker systems. There's a lot of different stuff on there that you need at that point. You know, what if I need DDP? What if I need MP3? Yada, yada, yada. There's all, all sorts of questions that can happen at that stage. Having just a section on there that's like credits would be so much better than what I currently have. And I've been totally hands off on this, just sort of hoping that the world will do what it's supposed to do for me. And that's the wrong way for me to look at this. And I think it's the wrong way for us to look at this. Yeah, I think that's 
in anything, man. Like in a marriage, if all you do is just coast. You expect the other person to do all the work. You're probably not going to have a very good marriage. Yeah. With your with the way you eat, if all you do is coast through life, eating whatever comes your way, stopping at McDonald's for Big Macs, you're probably not going to have a very healthy body. If in your business, if you just coast and hope that they credit you, you're not going to get very many credits. So you talked through a lot of the stuff that's in this outline already, but I'm going to go back through this system that I'm that I wanted to chat about on making this part of your system so that you are getting credit. So first thing is make it part of your quote terms. When you send a proposal out, whether it's just a, an email that just says, hey, this is the price, it includes this, and uh, I expect to be credited as this, this, and this. There's better ways to word that, but that's the gist of it. Or if you have a proposal, just put in your ter proposal terms. Uh, our expectations are we're gonna do three sets of revisions, we're going to do this, and we expect to be credited as Brian Hood at 456 Recordings. Uh, for mixing and mastering. If you're putting it in ahead of time, then if they have a problem with it, which, spoiler alert, people people don't have a problem with this. They just never get asked this. That's the only reason people yep. don't credit you is you just never ask. Yep. But if they had a problem with it for some for some reason, they can bring it up ahead of time instead of last second dropping a bomb on, on you that saying, hey, we're not going to do this. Or you last second asking to be credited and now they're in an awkward place after the whole project's done and you just didn't set expectations ahead of time. So yeah. putting it as early as possible in the process sets expectations so that when this conversation comes up again via the next step we're going to talk about, it's not a surprise. Yeah. And I think to kind of bring this home, like let's say you're a mix engineer and you have a, a quote-based system, which we recommend that everybody does for the most part, almost everybody. And once somebody submits a quote, you would send back a proposal. And in that proposal, you would specify, it's like a tiny, tiny thing at the very bottom that would say, you know, credited to so-and-so, me. If someone ever came back and said, ooh, we'd love to work with you, but section B, line seven, says that you want credited for your work, that's going to be a problem. Run. Yeah. Run as fast as you can or say, hey, no problem. That costs more. Yep. If they don't want to credit you, it should cost more. That's called ghost work. You know, it could be ghost producing or ghost writing or ghost mixing. Hilarious story I saw on Facebook uh, this past week. Somebody made a post about somebody who is a ghost producer. And a ghost producer is like, hey, I'll help you with your music, but you don't need to credit me. I'll make songs for you, but you don't have to credit me. And this person was a fairly successful ghost producer. And there were two artists, we'll call them artist A and artist B. And artist A and artist B wanted to do a collab together. But, and they didn't tell each other that they also wanted to have that collab ghost produced. So their section of the song, they wanted ghost produced. So there's this famous ghost producer. He gets reached out to by artist A. And artist A says, hey, could you uh, ghost produce my section of this collab with artist B? Ghost producer says, yeah, no problem. You know, a little while later, uh, ghost producer gets another email, this time from artist B, unbeknownst to artist A. Says, hey, I'm doing a collab with artist A. Could you ghost produce it? So I know this sounds so crazy. What happened is the ghost producer collaborated with himself or herself to, <laughs> to do this. But it, it's a separate, I guess, here's my point. I'm tripping all over myself here. Ghost this, producing. Is a, this is a tough story to tell. It but is it's, a tough I'm, story. It's you're so doing a better weird. job. You're doing a better job than when you told me <laughs> earlier. So basically, this this these two artists hired the same ghost producer to yeah. collaborate on the track. Yeah. So let me bring this this home for everybody else who's not an audio that's listening. There's this same concept in virtually every industry on earth. It's called white labeling. So let's say I am a grocery store and I'm like, wow, these Cheerios are really good. Uh, from, what is it, General Mills, I wonder if General Mills would be willing to make us our own brand of Cheerios and not tell anyone that they're the ones manufacturing it. And we'll call it a grocery store you know, or something, something <laughs> ridiculous like that. You would contact General Mills and say, hey, we want to do a white label Cheerios product. And General Mills would be like, yeah, no problem. And they'd give you a price for it. This is a totally normal thing in virtually every industry where there's a separate deal to do something white label, which means you get no credit, your company's name isn't anywhere on the final product. We do that here in, our, in the music and audio industry as well. However, usually it's just because of incompetence. I was going to say, we do it by accident. Yes. You, for every single one of these projects that you fail to get credit for, you're essentially getting unpaid ghost, uh, ghost work. Yes. 
Exactly. Yep. So I don't like that. Brian. There's a, what's that? I don't, I don't, I don't like that idea that I'm doing yeah. ghost mastering. F that noise, yeah, this, man. This is a good kick in my pants too, man. Like yeah. I, I'm not diligent about this either. So let's, let's go, let's go back on this system, making this part of your system again. Cause you got off on a night, nice rabbit hole and yeah. rabbit hole. Yeah. Rabbit hole and rabbit trail. What is it? Rabbit hole. I believe rabbit hole is sufficive. Okay. And that's fine. Sufficive. Is that a new word? Suffices? It doesn't matter. I don't know. Uh, no, that's a real word. You went down a long rabbit hole, and I couldn't stop you because this is an unedited episode. So uh, <laughs> usually I would just stop you mid-story and be like, no, Chris, get back on story. <laughs> um, <laughs> so step one was to make this part of your quote terms or your proposal terms as early in the project as possible. Just communicating that you want to be credited for your work because this is how you get clients. People are understanding of this. This is why photographers are, have no problems getting credit for their work. Second step is to make sure they have multiple reminders and make this friendly. But as you're starting to wrap up the project, make sure they understand that you're going to be credited when they release the song in this way, shape, or form. So if it's YouTube credits or if it's uh, their initial post on Facebook or if it's making sure that the data gets into Spotify correctly or the label is making sure that you're getting credited on all the platforms like all credits or whatever, you've, you are making sure that this is communicated before it gets crunch time so things don't slip through the cracks. So giving multiple reminders along the way. And this can be as easy as what you said, Chris, where you're just adding uh, adding to your template that they get. So they're getting, if they're reading through this uh, email template you send out when you send the mixes or when you send the final masters, that they understand that this is part of the process and that there's no surprises here still because they are, they've been reminded all along the way. And make sure, here's the other thing, I didn't put this in my outline, but make sure they understand how important this is to you. If they don't understand that this is your livelihood, this is how you find your clients or your, how your clients find you, mm. then they're probably not going to remember to do this because it wasn't really it wasn't really communicated how important this was. This has probably happened in your marriage, Chris, because we've only been married like seven months, eight months, and this has already happened in our marriage. But like one of us gets mad because the other didn't communicate how important something was to them. And so expectations weren't met mm -hmm. because and if if you know, my spouse, my wife would not, if, if she would have known how important something was to me, she would have remembered to do something for me or vice versa. I'm sure this has happened to you. We talked about that in a previous episode. I forget which one it was, but EIA is what we do in our house. Expectations in advance. Ooh. And it solves so much. Yeah. Yeah. So that was actually uh, right around my honeymoon time. Yeah. It's actually might've been the episode we did on my honeymoon. Yeah. It was your uh, first, your first one back. Yep. So if we look at, I'm looking in, their ba in, our, in our backlog here. Usually we have a big pause here where I look this up and then James just edits the pause out, but we're going to do this live. Well, you keep um, looking at that. I'm, I'm going to talk in the meantime. This is convicting for me because I'm thinking about our conversation here. I'm like, well, how much work would it take for me to set an expectation in advance by including that in the proposal? I've got about a dozen proposals I have to send out right after we finish doing this episode uh, for mastering work. And it's, it will take me about a minute to add that to my proposal template. So I'm going to do that. And then on the back end, when I send emails, uh, you know, letting people know, hey, I've got a new file ready for you to check out, it'll take me another minute to write. And by the way, if you, d you know, don't forget to credit me when you release this, blah, blah, yep. blah, blah, blah. Like one that's, sentence. That's like, put, give me a, an idea of how much work that is for you. How long would that take you it's to do It's going to take me things. a minute or two. Yeah. <laughs> but like that's because I'm the, heavily systemized. I get to yeah. do art all day and I don't have to worry about all the other crap because I, I took the time to build systems for this. But I just want to say like, it's hard to measure this. It's really, it really is hard to measure like how effective this is. But for your last hundred projects that you did, had this system already been in place, you probably would have gotten a handful of, of mastering gigs from this one system that takes you one minute to, em yeah, to employ. So uh, going back well, to the, let me, let me add, let me add something in here. Um, I would have definitely gotten more projects because all the time there's this one record I worked on that hit number one on the gospel charts by this artist, artist, uh, Jermaine Dolly. And he had this really, really, really popular, uh, song in the, in the gospel world. And all the time, for whatever reason, I get reached out to by a lot of gospel artists. It's one of my favorite projects to work on, favorite types of projects. And I'll always mention that song to them when we're having a conversation. I'm like, Oh no way you did that. And it's like, Oh crap. <laughs> I'm sure that's I'm a not, good sign. Yeah, yeah, that's a good sign that you should have been credited for your work. And I know they didn't do it out of out of yeah. anything other than the fact that you didn't ask for it and you didn't. Yep, my fault. You didn't give. You didn't communicate expectations on how important that is for you. What was the thing you called? Yeah, 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 e i a expectations in advance. So you're communicating expectations in advance. We talked about that on episode seventy three. 
the struggle of running a, a successful studio at home with your family. So anybody. It's a good episode. That's a, that was done back in April. April 2nd was that episode. Yeah. If you have a family and you're trying to run a studio, that's like a, that's like a must listen. That was uh yeah. Let me, let me completely agree with that. If you have a family, if you are married, whatever, if you got kids and you're trying to do this business, that episode is some of our best content for you. Yep. So that was basically Chris imparting his knowledge onto me as I started my new family with my wife on my honeymoon. I, I still remember I was in uh, Genoa, Italy, laying in bed at the hotel with my stupid little like mobile recording rig laying on my back with the mic on my stomach because I didn't want to hold up the microphone. Uh, and I didn't really talk much that episode because you're just giving me your wisdom bombs the entire time. That's true. Yeah. yeah that was a fun episode for me because I didn't have to do anything. <laughs> And I was on my honeymoon. It was fun. So let's let's move on down this checklist now. So we've got making up part of your early conversation. So your proposal or your quote form or your quote terms. Uh, give multiple friendly reminders along the way. So there's no ex expectation here or there's no false expectations. And then finally, set a reminder to check for credit after this is done. Because at the end of all this, I can't I can't tell you, man, how many times there's like this is probably a good practice, whether you're looking for credits or not, but just to see how the songs are doing, mm. you know, after the song comes out, right at release, even a year later, because there's so many times where we've seen songs that have like millions of views on YouTube or plays on Spotify, and we had no idea that artists did that well. And to top it off, we're also not credited for those songs. Dude, funny story. I was on Spotify the other day, and maybe like the third project I ever produced, um, I was like thinking about this guy and I pulled it up and I found it on Spotify and his top songs are the songs I produced for him when he was 17. That's crazy. And they're still getting tons and tons of monthly listens. Like, geez, is it 15 years later? It's like, what? Oh my gosh, that's so crazy. Why are people still listening to this? But yeah, super weird. Yeah. Uh, again, this thing, that just shows the compounding effect. That's 15 years of passive referral work you could have gotten from that one client yeah and again not all your clients are going to send you passive referrals like some if they get a thousand streams you'll probably never see a paid client from passive referrals on some of these small gigs you get but you never know which one's going to be the next billy eilish is that her name yeah with 1.6 billion views on it <laughs> well and another good example of that uh is i went to college with this guy named adam torres unbelievable singer songwriter just absolutely a brilliant guy he made a record while we were in college and like nothing really happened with it you know he sold some records but it didn't blow up and it was 10 years later when it got picked up by some blog and the record exploded weird his 10 year old record went like viral and way after the fact and he started touring his 10 year old record because like, I don't even know how to play these songs anymore. Yeah, like he, he, it was this whole thing, and, and it was amazing to me that, that uh, an amazing lesson of music that just because you made it and it didn't blow up doesn't mean that years and years later it's not going to explode. There's plenty of people in art over the past millennia who were totally unsuccessful yeah. during life, and then they died, and then their art got really, really popular. So one little final step here. This is completely optional. I would probably say this is probably not a good idea, but Chris made a mention of this as we talked about this before the episode, but you can, if you want, set a consequence <laughs> for not getting credit for your work. And you, you said this, I'll, I'll just try to quote you as best I can. You said in your proposal, you were talking about putting this, this price that I'm giving you is for credited work. Credit is Chris Graham mastering. If for some reason you do you want this to be a ghost mastering product or project where I don't get credited? Let me know and I can give you a separate quote. Mm. That basically insinuates that if they pay you for this, saying they're going to give you credit and then they don't, that's insinuating that you're going to go collect <laughs> the remaining balance if they don't credit you on this. And I don't necessarily, I think this is probably a bad way to, to end a project. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily do that. But yeah, I do like the fact that you have in there like, hey, guys, you signed a proposal that this was for a credited project. And I don't see credits for this. Is there some reason why this happened? Was it just a mistake? Let me know. Yeah. There's a friendly way to, to go at that conversation without having to go try to, quote, collect your money. Yeah. So I do like having that there is some sort of agreement in the proposal that they're going to credit you in certain ways and that they've stated that they have no problem with that. So that at the end of the project, when you've done your reminder to check in and you see that you weren't credited for that release they did, 
that they should have no problems going back and fixing that mistake. Again, you, you got to take a look at this from the client's perspective. Once they're done with you, their mind shifts out of the mastering mode, mixing mode, out of the producing mode. Yeah. Now they're like, we got to get these songs out. We've got to get streams on this. We need to do a tour. We need to get shows booked. We need to get merch made. We need to get on yeah. podcasts. Do musicians get on podcasts? I imagine they do. Yeah. But- well, it's a super emotional time. I get it. You know, they released a record and it's it's kind of the most emotionally intimate thing you can possibly do because, you know, if you post a picture of, of yourself doing duck lips or something and you're trying to look pretty on Instagram, whether people think you're pretty or not is a lot less intense with, than it is with music. With music, it's like, here's like a glimpse into my soul. Let me know what you think. Ugh. It's so intense. So these musicians, like, they're really, really... Most of them are freaking out come release day. Yeah. All that to say, they don't, they, they're not thinking about your, your one credit you asked for six months ago and they said they would give you. Yep. They're thinking about all the other checklists of things they have to do. And so if it slips through the cracks, it's not because they don't want to credit you. It's not because they're being mean to you and just going against what they said they do. It's because they have so much on their mind. And this goes back to the very beginning, which is saying how to try to get credited for all your work. If you want to get credited for all your work, just do half-ass efforts of trying, and that just means asking. Yep. You could skip everything else we talked about in this podcast, and if all you did was when you send the final mix or the final masters or the final files, or right before they're about to release your music, you say, hey, can you give me a credit for this just so I can try to get more uh, work off this project? If that's all you did, you would probably have a lot of success with this. Mm-hmm. But hopefully the system, I like the systemized approach more because it's more consistent and much better for a long-term approach. Immediately after we're done recording, I'm, I'm going to update some of my systems. One of the things that's interesting about this too is what a musician wants from all of us in the audio you know, field is they want us to help them promote their music. They want us to share it with our friends and family. They want us to post it on social media. And back to this culture conversation, why would we do that if we're not credited? I don't know where I'm going with this, but there's there's a, <laughs> there's, an, there's, an, there's an issue here. And it's, you don't get credit for this, but I want you to promote it. We need to fix this as an industry, and it will get fixed someday. Someday, every single song that you go to listen to is going to have every credit of every person that worked on it. This is inevitable. I've heard things saying that Spotify will be releasing like technical credits on albums now instead of just the producer. They'll have mixing engineer, mastering engineer, maybe yeah. editors and I stuff. I think Title already so, does that. And and this is this is the interesting thing also is like when you're on YouTube, the norm is at the end of a music video, you're always going to see the director of the video or the videographer or the the agency that handled that music video. At the end of a movie, you're going to if you want to see the after credit scene in a Marvel movie, you're going to sit through 16 minutes of thousands of names that were all involved with that movie. Again, culture. That's yep. the culture in the movie industry. It's just not our culture in the audio industry. But thousands of us are all our audio engineers are listening to this right now. And if we start moving in this direction, we can change the culture. Yep. So anything else you want to add to this, Chris, as we wrap this episode up? It's time. Well, we've hit our we've hit our wall here on uh podcast end time. It is indeed. So let's kind of just circle back to Billie Eilish. So her song "Bad Guy," uh, which bald I bald guy, it's bald guy, bald guy, which it's about you, which Chris. I love. I hope not. That'd be really weird. <laughs> but <laughs> I love that song. But when I pull it up in Spotify, it doesn't say who mixed it, doesn't say who mastered it, doesn't say who edited it, doesn't say anything other than like who produced it and who the and who the performers are. That's a weird world. There's a, almost a billion streams on that song. I guarantee you there were other cooks in the kitchen on that. And it breaks my heart for those guys and girls that worked on that project and didn't get credit for it. I'm not saying it's Billy's fault. It's probably Spotify's fault or it's her label's fault. But this is something that is intolerable in our industry. And it's, it's something that needs to change. Yep, I agree. Go check out Billie Eilish. She's amazing, Brian. I'm not. I'm listen never going to listen to her. No. She's so fantastically weird. Nope, I refuse. You're you're a bad guy, Brian. So that is it for this episode of the Six Figure Home Studio Podcast. Speaking of hit songs, if you're unaware, uh, at 11 a.m. today, the time this episode goes out, uh, we will be doing an Ask Me Anything, a Q&A with Seth Mosley, our guest on episode 104. He's going to be live in our Facebook community at the sixfigurehomestudio.com slash community, answering your questions. So I don't know 
where else are you going to have a chance to sit down and ask questions live with someone at his level, someone that has 25 number one singles, someone that has producer of the year award, songwriter of the year award, someone that has a seven figure, seven, not six figure, seven figure audio business, someone that has a team of like 10 people that are on his staff right now. I don't know. He, he seems to have this whole audio thing figured out. So if you want to be a part of that, he'll be live on our Facebook group today uh, at 11 a.m. Uh, and in case you are not there, he'll also be live. Him and I are doing a songwriting webinar tomorrow. Uh, he's leading it. I'm just there asking questions and hanging out. But it's a webinar called the Hit Song Formula. And he's going to walk you through his formula that he uses to write songs. So if you are a producer or you are recording bands or you have people that you are interacting with on their music, giving advice and trying to trim the fat, so to speak, this is going to be a training that you want to be a part of. This is something that I, I ignored for way too long. I ignored songwriting for way too long in my career. It definitely hurt my career. If you got the email from me uh, this past week uh, where I talk about this, this was something that affected my career. And it's kind of a, a dark spot on my career in the past, not being a good songwriter, not taking this sort of stuff seriously. So if you're serious about your career as a producer, as a songwriter or whatever, uh, you want to come to this training. And guess what? Spotify has a credit slot for songwriters, <laughs> unlike mixing engineers and mastering engineers uh, and recording engineers. So if you are trying to get yet another credit spot, which ties into this episode today, go to songwritingtraining.com. That is songwritingtraining.com. That is uh, our unique link to that webinar. And you can sign up and we will be live tomorrow at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time for that songwriting training. So that's tomorrow, Wednesday, November 13th at 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. Now I got to go catch a flight. I'm heading out of town for the weekend. Next week, we have an amazing interview coming. Uh, I'm not going to tell you much about it, but it's someone that has worked with some of the biggest bands in the industry, someone doing this at a massively high level and someone that understands branding better than anyone else I've ever met. So that will be coming to you next Tuesday, bright and early at 6 a.m. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and happy hustling. Whoa.